1: Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised.
0: The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities.
2: We had a little uh, getaway, went over to Tampa to watch uh, Red Sox and Rays play in the uh, divisional championship. That was so much fun. It was so much fun, but you know, the probably the best part for me was uh, staying in the hotel that we stayed in because clearly it was haunted.
1: Well, it was beautiful, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, the La Meridian. In, uh, downtown Tampa. It's the old federal courthouse that was built in 1905 and uh, they've kept so many of the original fixtures.
1: Yeah, so like um, in the lobby, you can see the original judge's bench. It was like, a re- I guess like nine feet tall, so they've cut it down obviously, but mm-hmm. it's still there. Yeah, And in the restaurant you can see the witness stand. It's so cool. Now,
2: they put us on the second floor, which is the floor where the courtroom was, mm-hmm. also the judge's chambers. In fact, our room was next to where the judge's chambers were, and it was also quite close to a holding cell. The first day, we check in, and then we, we leave the room, and we're walking down toward what is now the stairs in the elevator, but was the walkway to and from the courtroom, and I just go, whoa. Whoa. And you said, did you feel that too?
1: Yeah, it was like a full body shiver kind of thing. Like almost like electric current through my body. It was very strange.
2: We both just stood there because it happened at the exact same spot in the hallway. And then for the next uh, day and a half, whenever we would walk by that spot or near that spot, the same thing would happen. It would happen and Haggis refused to walk there.
1: Yeah, he. there were a couple times where you could see he was resisting walking through there, and then when we would get through that spot, he would keep looking back at it. It was very weird. There must be like some sort of electrical system or something where the current goes through that no, no, part of the- No,
2: no, it's a ghost, sweetie. <laughs> and uh, it was weird because independently of each other, we, we both felt that. Mm-hmm. So I did a little research, and there was a gangster. His name was Charlie Wall. And uh, he turned state's evidence on some of the mafia guys. Right. And allegedly he was well, not allegedly, he was he was, uh, he was assassinated, he was taken out.
1: We actually had the chance to talk with some of the employees about the history of this hotel and uh, what went down there and what still goes down there.
2: And uh, we recorded it, and we're going to include that as our ghost story in the upcoming Halloween episode. Should be a lot of fun.
1: Do you wanna, should we also address why you go first every time now? Because people are asking asking
2: about that. Yeah, I saw that on on the Freaks group on Facebook. Somebody, why is JG? Well, the answer is this. Uh, At one point, before we moved, I had like a throat condition. It's like kind of like a laryngitis thing or allergies or something. And what would happen is by the time we reached the end of the episode, I would have nearly lost my voice. Yeah. And so you suggested that I go first. Yeah. And we just kept doing it.
1: Yeah. It Eh. just, you know, it's also, I don't have to remember who goes first. Yeah. And (laughs) that works out for me.
2: (laughs) So I will be going first today in Gastonia, North Carolina on April the 8th, 2008. 1.30 in the morning. Jamie Fraley, who was 22 years old at the time, made a call to a friend. She hadn't been feeling well lately. She thought that uh, she had some sort of a, of a stomach uh, bug or flu or something. This would have been the third time that she was going to go to the hospital in the last few days. Oh, my goodness. Now, the last time she was there, she waited in the uh, waiting room for over three hours and got frustrated and just left. Okay. But... She was getting worse, so she decided she was going to go back, and uh, she said that uh, a friend was going to take her in okay. now she ended this phone call to her friend by saying, "I have to go now. my ride's here he's here." She was never seen or heard from again.
1: Aww.
2: now, trigger warning on this story because it's about abduction it's about murder uh and a whole bunch of bad stuff, okay. Jamie was a tiny little woman. She had been diagnosed with anxiety and bipolar disorder. Uh, when she was born, she was premature. She was quite sick, and her family was told she probably wouldn't live past the age of one. But she surprised everybody and everything that she did. As an adult, she was four foot nine. She weighed 90 pounds, but she was on the proper medication and she was working hard to become a substance abuse counselor. Things were going really well in Jamie's life.
1: What did you say her last name was? Fraley.
2: Fraley. So three days after she said she was going to the hospital, uh, Jamie was due for an important appointment and she did not show up. Okay. Now, no one had spoken with her for a couple of days. Her mother was obviously very concerned. Uh, She called the police and asked them to stop by the apartment for a wellness check. When they got there, the apartment door was locked inside... It seemed like nothing was amiss. It seemed completely normal. But her purse and her wallet, her ID and her keys, everything was there inside the apartment. There was no sign of a struggle, but there was one odd thing though. Her shoes were there, but the shoelaces were missing. And these were shoes that she wore pretty much every day. So a few more days would go by and a construction worker found her cell phone on the side of the road. It had been... It seemed as though somebody had just tossed it out the window of a moving car. Now, as we all know from watching crime shows, it's usually the husband or the boyfriend or the fiance. And she did have a fiance, Ricky Simmons Jr. And he had a a past that was a little bit. Well, yeah, he'd been arrested for theft. And in fact, he was incarcerated during the time of her disappearance. So it wasn't him.
1: Plus, I I don't necessarily see a connection between theft and abduction slash whatever. I mean, yes, it's quote unquote criminal activity, Mm -hmm. but... Yeah, there's, a, that's there's a, big, a big difference. That's a big
2: jump. She and Ricky apparently had a, a really good relationship. She wrote to him every day. Uh, she had his name tattooed on her ankle while he was incarcerated. They were talking well, that's about... That's not
1: their, indicative of a good relationship.
2: They were talking about uh, their future, how he was going to turn things around. Mm-hmm. And she was obviously moving in the right direction. So it clearly wasn't Ricky. Soon the investigation turned to Ricky's father. Ricky Dale Simmons Sr. Ricky Sr. lived just a couple of apartments away in the same building as Jamie. Interestingly, he had driven Jamie to the hospital on the previous two trips. Okay. Now, there was no indication who was taking her the third time.
1: Other than that it was a male.
2: Other than that it was a male. He was quickly identified as a person of interest. And the rumors that were flying in the community was that uh, Ricky Sr. was obsessed with his son's fiance. Okay. Now, Ricky Sr. had a really bad history of violence against women. In fact, he had strangled his ex-girlfriend to death and Uh, had served time for it.
1: Okay, Steve, there's a connective tissue between those Mm. two things. Yeah, okay.
2: Not such a big leap as like theft to abduction right yeah
1: i feel so bummed already like i know the story isn't going to
2: a good place (laughs) Mm. so he does time for strangling his ex-girlfriend but not much he was only charged with manslaughter and then after six years in 1992 he was released on good behavior so he kills his girlfriend he strangles her to death And he gets away with just serving six years. That was it. Now, Jamie had a good friend named Kim Springer. And uh, Kim had visited Jamie's apartment a couple of days before her disappearance. And uh, it was to drop off some meds that she had picked up for her at the drugstore.
1: Quick question. Yes. Do you mind if while you tell me the story, I self-soothe by braiding my hair? Yeah,
2: please go ahead. Okay, Whatever you. you need to do, girl. Kim had apparently been living with Ricky Sr. and they were said to be dating. Okay. All right. But things weren't going well between the two of them. Kim was starting to suspect that something was wrong and that perhaps Ricky Sr. did, perhaps, have something to do with Jamie's disappearance.
1: Oh, That's gotta be such a terrible feeling. Of course, dating a man who's previously killed his girlfriends <laughs> should lead you to believe he's not good at having girlfriends.
2: Yeah, and he was violent toward Kim. And Kim also suspected that he had been stealing from her because her car had been broken into, and uh, he had keys to her vehicle. So she thought, yeah, not only is he beating me, but... It just started to become obvious that she needed to get out. So she decided she was going to end the relationship with Ricky Sr. Good for you, Kim. She was indeed successful in getting a restraining order against him to protect her from him. Needless to say, this didn't go too well with Ricky Sr. This was about the same time that law enforcement started following Ricky Sr. around because they suspected he had something to do with Jamie's disappearance. Okay. What they discovered was that Ricky Sr. was stalking his ex-girlfriend, Kim, that she had left and she had moved out, right. but he was stalking her secretively. He clearly had no good intentions.
1: Well, that's such a dangerous time. Like, the, the period of time that you're trying to leave someone yeah. who, is, who is like that is the most dangerous time.
2: Yeah. She was out of the relationship. She was out of the building, but he still right. was was stalking her. And apparently... He showed some friends of his a large hunting knife. And he said that he was going to give his ex-girlfriend, quote, the surprise of her life.
1: Now, did these friends go to the police? Yes. Yes. Oh, Good. Good sketchball friends.
2: At this time, still nobody knew where Jamie was. Everybody suspected Ricky Sr. In fact, when Ricky Jr. was released from jail, he wouldn't go live with his dad. He elected to live with Jamie's family because he believed his father had something to do with Jamie's disappearance. One day, about two months after Jamie's disappearance, Kim got into her car to run a few errands. Now again, dickhead there was stalking her.
1: And did the police do anything about the fact that they knew he was stalking his girlfriend, ex-girlfriend?
2: Well, they kept an eye on him, but I think that they were holding back because they wanted to see what he was going to do. Sure. And perhaps where he had hidden the body, if in fact he was responsible. So Kim goes to run some errands and she gets in the car and she, she notices a bad smell coming from her car. And she kind of shrugged it off. But things got worse. Two days later, she decided that she was going to start checking under the seats. I've had to do this because, like, part of a sandwich will have fallen down between the seats or something. So she thinks maybe something like that. So she's searching her car, looking for the source of this terrible smell. And then she opened the trunk. And inside the trunk was a quickly decomposing body.
1: Oh.
2: It was Ricky Sr., what yeah so good news there
1: oh wow what a roller coaster
2: so police were called an investigation of course immediately began ricky senior's body tested positive for alcohol and drugs in his system and with him was that hunting knife
1: had he gotten into her trunk or did someone put him in her trunk
2: the police believed the death was accidental (laughs) Here's the theory. Oh, I'm sorry.
1: that was wrong. I should never laugh.
2: <laughs> Ricky Sr. was all, you know, hopped up on alcohol and drugs. And he decided he was going to carry out his plan to give Qu- uh, Kim that big surprise. Mm-hmm. So he used his keys to get into her trunk. And he took with him the knife, planning to ambush her. But apparently because of the drugs and the alcohol in his system, he either passed out or he was unable to get out of the trunk. Uh, or find the emergency release, and he succumbed to heat exhaustion and died. Oh my gosh. That's the good news. The bad news is they have yet to this day to find Jamie. Oh no. We don't know for sure if Ricky Simmons Sr. was in fact responsible, although it does seem likely.
1: No closure on that.
2: No in 2015 a guy named jerry case a man that was then serving federal prison time for kidnapping made a possible confession regarding uh, fraley's disappearance basically he said that he did it but he was actually in jail when that happened so okay. there's no way he could have done it why he confessed to it i don't know just Weird. attention or something uh prosecutors immediately dismissed case's confession as unlikely regarding fraley jamie's mother believes without a doubt that Ricky Sr. was responsible. She Mm. said, quote, he was hiding something and we could never get that out of him. Ricky Jr. said, quote, first my fiance goes missing, then my dad climbs in a trunk and dies. Does this make any sense to anybody? So officially the circumstances surrounding Jamie Fraley's disappearance remain unclear. as She is currently still classified as missing. Her mother says she will never give up. She's still holding out hope that somehow, someday, Jamie will be found and and that she'll be okay. Her case remains unsolved. Jamie would be 34 today.
1: Still just a baby.
2: If you have any information on this case, you're asked to contact Gaston County Police at 704-866-3320. My source information was Thought Catalog, CNN, and Wikipedia. Not a happy ending, but at least that guy died in a trunk.
1: But at least that guy died in a trunk. It's not something you hear a lot.
0: And now, that thing in the middle. King
2: Charles VI of France was an unusual guy. Not only was he eccentric, but he was prone to delusions. On more than one occasion, Charles believed that his body was made from glass. He apparently suffered from what's known as glass delusion. When Charles was in this state, he stood still for hours so he wouldn't shatter into pieces. He would not let anyone touch him. He wrapped himself in blankets, and he also wore clothing lined with iron to protect him. Charles VI,
0: The Glass Monarch. We needed one more of these liners to fill out the page. And this was it. This is the Box of Oddities.
2: This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca.
1: And when kids can start to reason that they get something, if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them.
2: at checkout and you will save thanks aura frames for bringing my family a little bit closer
1: hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting
0: Go to your happy place For a happy price Go to your happy price price Priceline Support for The Box of Oddities is provided in part by listeners like you on Patreon You can support us too Go to patreon.com slash box of oddities Thank you The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth Hey,
2: remember a couple episodes ago we were talking about uh, that weird thing I saw at the bathroom at Disney World?
1: Yeah, the guy washing his hair.
2: The guy was washing his hair in the men's bathroom. Had a little shampoo bottle. He was, you know, it wasn't just like he was splashing water on himself. He was he was full out shampooing his hair. And yeah, we were he trying- was
1: lathering up.
2: <laughs> he was lathered. And we were speculating, well, what was the backstory on that? You know, why would somebody be doing that? And Beth, in the Freaks a Box of Oddities Facebook group, wrote, I have a theory about the guy washing his hair in the sink at Magic Kingdom, playing catch-up on the podcast if anyone else has listened to Box 368. Hear me out. Kids on dad's shoulders gets motion sick. I mean, you'd be happy to have a little bottle of shampoo then, right? (laughs) P.S. The only reason I thought of this as an explanation is because I did it to my own father when I was little. Oh no. Um, okay, well that makes that makes some sense. And if it's happened more than once, preemptively you would bring a, a bottle of shampoo, I right?
1: Guess. Or stop putting your kid on your shoulders. <laughs> yeah.
2: uh, Miranda chimed in. My theory was uh, he already checked out of his hotel, was doing Disney for the day, and freshened up before catching a red eye home. Oh,
1: that's a great idea. Yeah. yeah.
2: Melissa wrote. I had to do this once. I got poop in my hair while changing my kid. Oh, God. <laughs> it's a dangerous world I live in. <laughs> oh, my
1: God. <laughs> this is why I have dogs. <laughs> Big thanks to James Moore, who suggested this topic, uh, by the way. August, well, that's not the right word at all. July 6, 2001. <laughs> I don't know why August came out of my face hole just now. But... Um, <laughs> Jesse Arbogast, who had just completed second grade in Ocean Springs, Mississippi, was with his family on a summer beach holiday. He and his brother and sister, Vincent and Maddie, were on vacation with their aunt and uncle, Diana and Vance Flossenzier, and Vance's two children, a son and a daughter. They were at Gulf Islands National Seashore in the Florida Panhandle. The two girls were in inner tubes a little further out in the water than Jesse and his brother. The two boys were standing in about two and a half feet of water. Vance recalled that he heard someone yell, shark, Uh and a scream. Flosnir told the park service that he turned toward the water and saw a large pool of blood in the vicinity of his nephew and his own two children who were also in the water. My God. Vance then said he saw the shark's jaws clamped down on Jesse's arm. Vance grabbed the seven-foot bull shark by the tail and pulled it toward the shore away from the boy, but the shark didn't let go. A stranger on the other side took hold of Jesse, and eventually the two were separated. Oh, my God. One of Jesse's arms and part of one of his legs had been torn off. (gasps) Oh, It's thought that the shark first bit at Jesse's leg. Uh, The wound went all the way to the bone. And then perhaps Jesse had tried to push the shark away from his leg, so the shark grabbed hold of his arm. The stranger brought him back to Diana on the shore. And though the shark tried to swim away, Vance Flosnir, Uncle Vance, uh, said that he kept a grip on its tail And that left the animal relatively powerless to go. He thought there were still other swimmers still in the area. Right, right. And then recognized that he might have the boy's arm.
2: No. So, the
1: uncle eventually dragged the shark up onto the embankment. Uh, At this point, two park rangers came running down the beach and confirmed that the arm was inside the shark's mouth
2: he hadn't swallowed it yet
1: he hadn't but they discovered Uh, that it was still it was too far back for them uh, to just reach in and grab it
2: plus it's a shark with big teeth
1: right exactly so one of them used their baton to kind of like jam open the shark's mouth and the other one used what they called medical tweezers to go in and grab the boy's arm and pull it out of the shark's i guess throat
0: holy
2: shit this has levels of awfulness.
1: It's awful. They were only able to do this, by the way, because they shot the shark in the head three times. Well, it was okay. enough to right, so. loosen the jaws so that the arm could be retrieved.
2: Uh huh. Well, okay. Because all this time I was thinking that the shark was still alive. Well, he
1: was when they were inspecting to see if the arm was still in there. No kidding. They had to shoot him to get into his okay. mouth to okay. get the, the arm out. Oh, wow. At this point, Diana ear on the beach has begun CPR on Jesse as her husband is putting towels and shirts on Jesse's body to stop the flow of blood until medics took Jesse to a nearby hospital via helicopter. Oh my god. He had almost completely bled out by the time he reached the hospital. How old was he again? He was 8.
2: 8 years old. Oh my god. That poor little guy.
1: Jesse's heart had stopped. It took three surgeons and a huge surgical support team working 12 hours in shifts to, one, put 30 units of blood back in this boy oh my God. and reattach his arm. Wow. His condition was, quote, touch and go for over a month.
2: I would think so. They
1: weren't sure if he was going to make it. His organs had all started to fail at one point. He was completely drained of blood. There was just his body had gone through so much. It was hard to know if it was going to be able to recover.
2: Mm, mm. And if it did, with all the blood loss, would there be brain damage? You know, all you know, organ failures? Right. Yeah. Right. Wow.
1: The surgeons were pretty sure that the arm had reattached well, but they weren't sure what the usage of that arm mm. was going to be. And they weren't sure because of that organ failure, because of that blood loss, exactly what you said, if there was going to be brain damage. Mm. But he did survive. And, of course, because of this event, because of the amazing rescue and the survival of this incredible little boy, there was extensive coverage on the 24-hour news cycle. And soon after, there was another attack in the Bahamas by a shark. There was a third attack on a surfer that occurred about a week later um, on July 15th, about six miles from the spot where Jesse was attacked.
2: All right, so these sharks are, um, for whatever reason... A little more aggressively feeding.
1: Not really, though. News agencies started calling this the summer of the shark. And by mid-August, networks were showing footage captured by helicopters of hundreds of sharks coalescing on the southwest coast of Florida. Beachgoers were being warned of the dangers of swimming, so on and so forth. I remember this. Now, at this point, it's very common for sharks' migratory routes to be heading through this area. John Stossel, you know who John Stossel is. Of course. He's the investigative reporter. Mm -hmm. Um, He wrote, instead of putting risks in proportion, we, reporters, hype interesting ones. Tom Brokaw, Katie Couric, and countless others called 2001 the summer of the shark. In truth, there wasn't a remarkable surge in shark attacks in 2001. There were about as many in 1995 and 2000. But 1995 was the year of the O.J. Simpson trial, and 2000 was an election year. The summer of 2001 was a little dull. Okay. So reporters focused on sharks. In fact, the number of unprovoked shark attacks worldwide dropped <laughs> to 76 in 2001, down from 85 from the year previous. And the number of people killed in shark attacks also dropped to five from 12 the year previous. Wow. So just keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Eventually, in December of 2001, Claire and David were able to take Jesse home, and he began a long, slow journey recovery. At first, he had home health nurses, um, and though he was permanently disabled in the attack, he wasn't able to walk or talk on his own. His family said that after some time, they could see his personality shining through. So yes, Jesse had suffered severe brain trauma Mm. uh, because of the lack of blood, uh, which means lack of oxygen to the brain, and he was Permanently disabled, but his family says he has a way of getting his feelings out, and he never misses a chance to laugh. Jesse's mom, Claire, said that she'd been hesitant to grant interviews in the past. So after the huge media riot surrounding their son's shark attack, right. they really wanted to to just have some peace and quiet. They didn't want to stir things up. They would get calls requesting interviews every anniversary of the attack. And people really were interested, not just in knowing how the family was doing, but for a story.
2: What do they say? If it bleeds, it leads. Yeah.
1: But in an interview in 2017, Claire said that she wants the world to know how he's doing because people have been so wonderful. She said, he got mail by the droves. We would get mail addressed to, quote, the Mississippi boy who got bit by a shark (laughs) and the post office would deliver it. Oh, my God. And I don't think it was just curiosity, she said. I think they truly cared. And I think that's wonderful. Like I know it must be incredibly hard for Mm -hmm. the family to talk about that event. And she said that her other kids remember it. And of course it's, you know, traumatic as hell. She wanted people who took the time to send their well wishes uh, to know, you know, that he's doing well and progressing and that nobody puts any limits on how well Jesse does. That's amazing. Yeah.
2: What an amazing story. Pretty
1: incredible, right? And,
2: uh, And that uncle. Huh?
1: Right? What a you don't hero. mess with Vance's. No,
2: you do not. <laughs> That's where the word advance came from. Is it? Right, yeah. yeah.
1: There was a guy that sold tropical fish in our in my hometown named Vance, who was just the most rad guy. And he would always teach you, like if you had a question about the fish, he would take the time to like hmm. really educate you about the fish, and I just loved him.
2: Did he have any sharks?
1: I think they did, yeah. They had Vance's tropical fish just shop. Just
2: little, little sharks though? Little sharks, yeah, yeah okay. absolutely i don't mind little sharks
1: i don't mind big sharks like i said you know this well, i don't
2: mind them either as long as they're not gnawing on a limb
1: sure yeah this story i thought was just so incredible and the way that the family handled it yes. and um you know the severe brain trauma kind of hits close to home uh, I for know, me <laughs> I know, so I know. reading this article uh was just amazing to hear uh these parents describe their son in a way that sounded so much like how my dad would describe my brother and so there were parts that just like kind of got me a little (laughs) a little choked up in my research path (laughs) but um
2: well you did well you got through it
1: oh thanks i don't want to get a negative review
2: (laughs) (laughs) what a amazing story of strength and and survival not only on the part of the little boy but his uncle and his family and his and his siblings i mean that must still haunt them right to this day
1: so we are winding down the days until our live show in new
2: york the meet and greet passes are almost sold out Mm -hmm. this is going to be limited capacity at this venue because of covid protocols and the health guidelines So there's probably not going to be a lot of opportunity to grab your tickets uh, unless you act quickly. Yeah,
1: but you do have the opportunity, if you can't make it to the show in person, uh, to view it online.
2: It'll be streamed live while it's happening. It's going to be in Manhattan at The Caveat. And uh, we're so excited about this, and we we really hope you can join us for it. You can get your tickets, whether in person or virtual, at com. Also, uh, no more submissions are being accepted for the Halloween special. We we have more than we need. In fact, we may end up doing two two episodes.
0: Which
1: I think is fun.
2: That should be a lot of fun. And some great stories this year, too. Thank
1: you so much. And we so look forward to getting them all together and getting spooked out with you.
2: And we look forward to
0: seeing you next time.
1: Until then, keep flying that freak flag.
2: Fly it proudly, beautiful freak.
0: And so... Let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.